the Spiritual Brew Pub Podcast. We'll help you navigate spiritually after or during a belief shift, deconstruction, or crisis of faith. Not to try to convert you to a particular destination, but give you the resources you need to evaluate your future belief or unbelief and help you follow the religious historical evidence wherever it leads. I'm your host, Michael Camp, a recovering conservative evangelical, the operative word being recovering, sharing my journey in helping others rebuild faith or a reasoned philosophy of life. So grab your brew of choice and learn how fact-based history helps us both critique and rethink faith. Why do we call it a brew pub? Because we like to hang out in them, at least metaphorically. A pub is a great place to let your hair down, share your true thoughts about your journey, and discuss things with an open mind in a non-judgmental environment. Welcome, everyone, to the Spiritual Brew Pub podcast. I'm your host, Michael Camp. This is the place for a safe haven for ex-evangelicals, those who are uh, questioning organized religion or anyone interested in the history of Christianity. We've got a great guest here today, uh, Bart Campolo. Very excited to have you on, Bart. Um, Bart is an author, humanist, counselor, coach, podcaster, and secular chaplain, and he's a former evangelical Christian. Bart, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Michael. It's good to be with you. Yeah, I'm so glad you're you're joining us. You're uh, uh, based in Ohio now, I understand. Um, you're a, um, a chaplain there at the university, is it the University of Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, that's a voluntary position, Michael. They don't pay you big bucks to be a humanist chaplain anywhere these days. Oh, I thought maybe you did. You found some really good gig or something. Because uh, you were at, was at UCLA before that? I was at USC. I spent three USC. years as the humanist chaplain at USC. And okay. that was, a, that was it, you know, USC is a private university. And so I actually had an office at the Office of Religious Life, um, kind of was officially a part of the university. When you When you work at a public university like the University of Cincinnati, it's kind of like, you know, back in the old Christian days, it's like you're a campus crusade staff worker yeah, I mean, right, right. you know you're yeah. just a you're just a volunteer who helps organize students to try to provide encouragement and support for kids that are trying to figure out how to make the most of their lives right that sounds cool but um yeah so uh i want to share a little bit before we get into our discussion i want to share a little bit for our audience kind of the context and the background of why i wanted to um get you on the podcast and what some of our connections are uh, even though we've never met before. Um, I uh, really admired your father, uh, Tony, uh, for years. Um, and I got my master's degree at uh, Eastern University where your father taught, of course. And I, that was back in the uh, 1990s, mid 90s. Um, we, we, were you in uh, your ministry in Philadelphia back in, the, in that day or what? Where were you? Yeah, yeah, no, I was, I was living in Philadelphia back then. It yeah, was Philadelphia, right. yeah, sure. Right, okay, cool. Well, I always like to say that your father um, was one of the reasons I stayed in evangelicalism as long as I did, because I really loved the way that he pushed the envelope and um, came out and, and, and said some things that, about uh, uh, the evangelical movement that really needed to be said. And uh, he didn't go quite far enough for me later on, as I realized, uh, you know, his theology was still very conservative. But uh, he did, he did, he was an amazing, he was an amazing influence on me and so many other people. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. And um, no, it's, it's, other... inter it's interesting, Michael, because, you know, like, we all have people like that in our lives, don't we, who helped us stay in the game. Yes, um, right, right. And what's interesting is, is if you end up staying a Christian, you say, oh, I'm so grateful to Brian McLaren or to Tony Campolo or to whoever it was, you know, Rob Bell, who helped me stay a Christian. And if you finally give up the ghost and leave, you end up going like, damn it, Brian McLaren made me waste five more years of my life. <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? The, the, I, I do have that kind of a thought about your, your father. I don't know about Brian McLaren. I like his theology a lot better. And I am still a Christian, although I do not have uh, 
a label. I can't come up with a label. Progressive, liberal, I just, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> so I, I stick with sometimes progressive, but you know, let me explain a couple of reasons why I wanted you to have, have you on my podcast. Number one is I just love the way you and your dad uh, modeled uh, the ability to lovingly agree to disagree and to be brutally honest uh, about one's uh, faith. And you guys have done an incredible job. When, when I left the evangelical church, um, my parents and friends did not teach, treat me that way. Um, mm. they, were, they were shocked and they were concerned about me, uh, but they also just, they didn't really respect what I was doing at all. And I think your father has really uh, modeled mm. that. that yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me that you can co uh, co-write a book, uh, you know, make a film together, uh, you know, the film, uh, Leaving My Father's Faith, and the book, Why I Left, Why I Stayed, and, and still have that respect and love for each other. And I think that's, that's remarkable. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm one, part of the reason we did those projects, you know, and, and John Wright was the guy who made that film. He just, he just lined us up and made us talk. Um, but uh, part of the reason we, we worked on those projects was because we we're really aware that especially these days as so many younger people are finding that you know the church or even just kind of supernatural belief systems just don't work for them anymore or or, or, or at all never did um a lot of families are in that situation where you have people with really different worldviews and so you know so we were sort of thinking is there anything that we can do to be helpful to people who are trying to figure out how to lovingly navigate those differences yeah, right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I just listened to your uh, podcast with, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, David Smalley. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you kind of touch on that, you know, how do you talk to people who you, <laughs> you agree that disagree with you and are really against you and so forth. And, 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 and uh, David Smalley really hit on something about, uh, you know, a allowing them to um, express uh, uh, their, their frustration with you, but kind of challenging them on several levels so that yeah, they kind of think, hey, you're guy. actually a human being. <laughs> yeah, that guy, that guy has way more patience than me. I mean, I can be really loving and patient with my family, you know, for forever. Um, for With strangers, I have, uh, you know, the, the, I have a limit where at some point I'm like, hey, you know, it's been great talking to you. I got to go. Um, because, you know, when you're a high profile Christian who leaves the faith, I just hear from Christians all the time each one of them thinking that they have the unique angle that's going to bring me back into the fold. And, uh, and so you just get worn out. You're just like, yeah, you know, thanks. Yeah, I, and, and that's kind of like um, the second reason uh, I wanted to interview you is because I, I understand what you're saying is, is there's always someone who's thinking, well, you know, he, he didn't get it right. And, you know, now I, I, I've got the secret that I, that'll bring him back or, or whatever. Yeah. But I, I, I really, I think one of the things that when I came out of evangelicalism, um, even though I didn't become an atheist, one of the things that I that I learned was we've got to stop this war with atheism. Uh, I mean, Christian culture is just like, I mean, they, they just kind of blackball anyone who says, oh, I'm an agnostic. I've left the faith, you know, and and it's like uh, the, most of the atheists that I've encountered and I've uh, gotten to know they have very good reasons for becoming atheists, you know, and, and we actually have a lot of common ground because I'm always critiquing fu uh, fundamentalist Christianity. And I hear the points that you make in your book and your film and I go, yep, I'm there. Yep. I've done. Yep. <laughs> it's all there. Right. So um, I think, I think what I want to focus on later in the interview is, is what common ground that we have, do we have? And just the same way that you and David were having a conversation about how do you help people who you know, who are been either abused by religion or they're caught in this trap and, uh, and you want to get them to, to think that, to help them to encourage them to um, think differently and be free from some of these things. Does that make sense to you? Sure. You know, Michael, like what's interesting is, is that when I talk to people, oftentimes who are in your, the space that it sounds like you and your listeners are in, you know, a lot of people that sort of They've, they've had it up to here with the evangelical community or up to here with, you know, organized religion. Um, and they're sort of in this kind of, I don't want to go to church anymore, but, but they're still believers. You know, 
I, I really, I meet a lot of people like that and I understand them. I'm not one of them. I didn't have a bad experience with evangelical Christianity. Um, I didn't get, I, you know, the reason I, the reason I'm a, a secular humanist isn't because like I got fed up with the church or there was all the hypocrisy or somebody really hurt me. I had a great experience. I loved being a Christian. Um, you know, I, my, my faith fell apart much more in terms of an internal critique. Like my dad always will say to me, like, what, what was the book that really undermined your faith in God? And I would say, God, that would, that would be the Bible. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that, you yeah, know, I, yeah. I really spent a lot of time trying to make Christianity work, but ultimately there, it, it, it didn't, it, it was the internal inconsistencies of it. Um, well, I, I definitely relate to that because there yeah. were, that I do had I did have a lot of good uh, fond memories of being in the evangelical church. Uh, sure. The way I describe it is, um, for me, I had some spiritual experiences that I felt the love of God, and then I got into the church, and uh, the church's theology just kind of like, wait a minute, there's there's a disconnect here, and I struggled all for years trying to harmonize what I thought was, uh, you know. Um, an expression of, of God's love with and and reasoned trying to you know make a reasoned faith with all the inconsistencies and contradictions that I saw in the theology in the church. So um, I'm I'm sure we didn't have the exact same experience, but I I, I think there was a, it sounds like there is some kind of an overlap there. Yeah, and 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 you know for me like ultimately what it came down to, you know what you know it, it, you know. At some point, you know, there's there's the one question, and that is whether any one of those many Christianities makes you know makes more sense than the others, or you know, it, it, you know, and then the question is like, is it possible that those are all that, that Christianities are just like various versions of Islam and other religions? And you go like, oh, that's what people do, like <laughs> living as a finite human being in a huge universe, you get overwhelmed and you come up with a story to help you make sense of it. And, you know, so for me, like I ended up just going like, yeah, it's not just that I think this isn't the story. I, 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 I think, I don't think there's anything supernatural going on here. I think this life is all we get. I think this world is all that. I think this universe is not, I shouldn't say this universe because there are probably multiverses, but I think that, that the energy and matter around us are, are, are all there is. And so for me, like I really like, but by the time I was, I, I tried every possible way to stay a Christian, um, you know, and it wasn't until I had exhausted every possibility that I finally was like, darn it. I gotta go figure out a new. Gotta go figure out a new life. Right, right. I gotcha. Well, um, I, I come on it a little bit at a different angle, but uh, sure. I'm really fascinated with you, with your story. Um, the one question I have is, uh, you know, I'm, it must have been really strange growing up with a famous evangelical preacher like your father, most and 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 people who in, in evangelicalism understand that. What was that like? I mean, he was. It wasn't just a pastor. He was something way beyond that. Yeah, yeah, no. He, I mean, he's a phenomenon, and 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 he, you know, he was kind of a larger than life figure. But the thing is, Michael, that's the only father I ever had. So you know, in terms of like, what was it like? Yeah, it was it's just I, your dad, right? It's just yeah. my dad. That's just the right. world I grew up in, and mm -hmm. um, you know. My son sort of had the same experience. I remember him saying like, he said, it, it struck him. He just thought everybody's grand, you know, when you went to a meeting, it was always either your grandfather or your father that got up and talked. Like it didn't occur yeah. to him that other people weren't having that experience. <laughs> right, um, right. But uh, yeah, so no, I mean, I, I think that probably the, you know, the, the simplest way to, to answer that question is it would have been very difficult for me if my father was so well known for his Christian passion and his, you know, social justice mindset and all that stuff, if, if then in private, he was a very different person. And I know some right, people right. have had that experience where, where their father or their mother was really understood one way by the world. And then in the household, it was, it was much, much different. Um, for my dad, it was kind of what you see is what you get. And he was a very consistent person. And so, um, you know, I, I didn't feel the sense of like what a phony or what a hypocrite. Um, 
even growing up, like, you know, and for the, you know, most of my childhood, I didn't believe in God. I didn't, it didn't make sense. You know, it didn't make sense to me on the face of it, but uh, until I was like 15 years old and got swept up in youth group, but, uh, but I always knew my dad did. Like, I always knew, you know, I, like, I never thought, you know, I, it, it, even when I, you know, both before and after when I didn't understand, agree with his narrative, I always knew he was sincere. And that makes it yeah, a lot easier. Right. To live. Oh, and yeah. that makes it a lot easier to live with somebody. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that sounds right. So um, I, I'm curious, though, as you, I know you, you got into, you know, your dad was saying, what was the one thing that, uh, you know, turned the tide for you? Um, I, I, I do, I do did pick up though, as I, as I read your book, that there were some things that you were like, okay, you know, this is, this isn't making sense. Um, you mentioned, I think the doctrine of hell, the inerrancy of the Bible, uh, the way that Christians yeah. treat gays and so forth is, it's, were, the were those... it's the same stuff that doesn't make sense to everybody. Right. You know, like yeah. whether right. you stay in the church or you don't stay in the church, everybody struggles with those things. Like right. there's, there's no sincere Christian that says to me, well, I, I just like, I don't understand why you don't see the consistency of God's character across the old and new testaments. Like, <laughs> come on, you know, everybody struggles with that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and the, and the, the sad part is that they struggle with it, but oftentimes they're, they're, they're secret about it because they don't want to rock the boat. Or if they do talk about it, they're always, you know, justifying and trying to harmonize things and, and, and trying to explain away the obvious problems that, that are there. I mean, that's when I look back at my experience, that's what I was realizing I was even doing. It's like, wait a minute. And, and I, uh, uh, I doubted a lot of those things all along. And I always said, well, I don't, I don't go that far. Well, I don't go that far. And, I mean, but what's, I wondered... what's curious, Michael, is like, why a person like you, like when you see through that much of it and you get to the place where you're like, yeah, I don't think God's sending everybody to hell just for having the wrong theology. And yeah, this doesn't make sense. And I don't think we're at the center of the universe. And, you know, like all these different things. Like, what is it that keeps you holding on? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And for me, I had some experiences that helped me uh, hold on. I also had some um, uh, problems in my life that this evangelical movement was 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 solving. Believe it or not, it was like, hey, I yeah. had a nervous breakdown. No, no, in college. no. I mean, I, had, I mean, you know, there was yeah. like, you know, you know, there's community. You know, the, the, there's all this talk of, oh, hey, yeah. we've solved the mystery of life and, you know, you don't have to fear death anymore. All these things are very appealing. So they, they draw you in and they keep you in. At least that's my experience. Yeah, no, no. I, I understand. Like, believe me, I understand what draws somebody into the evangelical movement. Right. I was an evangelist for 30 years, yeah. you know, um, and, and I understand the appeal. I guess what I'm wondering is, is, is it sounds like you have a fairly clear eyed view of it now. And I'm wondering why you still identify as a Christian. Oh, but I think the reason is because I, I've totally, I've realized when you study history um, and you study the uh, history of Christianity um, and how the Western culture has co-opted a lot of things. And when you look at Eastern Christianity and you look at some of the, the paradigms, like the paradigms on the Bible, for example, uh, the paradigm that we, we claim the Bible is the right paradigm was not the paradigm that a lot of Christians, I don't even think Jesus had that paradigm. He didn't believe all the whole Bible was true. <laughs> and so I, I think for me, Christianity is is totally way outside what most people, how most people define it. So uh, Jesus is, is uh, uh, much more open and he's, you know, that's why I'm a universalist Christian. So, I mean, when you have, when you become a universalist Christian, a lot of things just completely change. You go, well, that doesn't make, you know, that's not true. And that's not true. And you, you, you realize that, um, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, love, uh, for neighbor, love for enemies, restore a restorative, uh, way of looking at the world that God's not out to exact retribution on people. He's into restoring people or uh, encouraging people and loving people. And really, that's the bottom line. So when you focus on that, you realize, oh, this is just a, a love ethic that uh, that that Jesus has introduced into a world, a vi very violent world in the first century, that had an impact on the world. So that's you, um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. I mean, like, 
I, I mean, I understand why somebody's got to love ethic. I, I, I'm not always as clear as to why they attach it to a particular narrative. Like, like, so like some, like I go like, so do you really think that like, there was a God who created the universe from scratch? And do you really think that like Jesus was born of a virgin? Like, are you still believing that stuff? Or are you just like, no, oh, this, yeah, is right. just a, yeah. this is just a good expression. Like, this is just yeah. my culture's way of saying, be nice to each other. Right. Yeah. I, those are all good questions. And I think that for me, um, I, I set those things aside and go, that's interesting, but I could care less if you believe or someone believes if Jesus was born of a virgin or not. It's like, right. you know, yeah, I, no, no, I, 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 Elaine I, Dubuton I, once said the right. most boring question we can ask about any religion is whether or not it's true. Yeah. He's like, he's like, the really interesting thing is like, how is it affecting people and how to, that's right. Is, yeah. So, right. Exactly. Lives. So, sure. I mean, I, so um, I don't get hung up on those anymore because I look at the, when you look at the Bible differently and you look at it like, Hey, you know what? I can pick and choose what I think is inspirational in the Bible. That's how we treat any book. How we treat any narrative, right. you know, no one says you have to believe this. No, you look at it and you look at the history and you go, Hey, there's a lot of myth in there. But there's a lot of counter myth. There's a lot of, you know, the story of Joseph in Genesis, I believe, is a very beautiful story. But that doesn't mesh with, God, you know, how God uh, drowned the planet and got fed up with mankind and drowned the planet, you know. So, but that's a really hard paradigm to come into because we're all kind of taught to look at religion and the Bible black and white. It's either true or it's not, blah, blah, blah. You can't have gray areas and nuance. So I guess part of it is is understanding the nuance in a lot of these things. So um, I, I was really uh, struck by one of the chapters in your book, the dark side, it's called the dark side of grace, why Jesus doesn't work for me. And actually, this is uh, a really important point that, um, you know, you, you, you basically came out and said, um, this was the biggest problem I had with evangelical Christianity. Can you, can you share what that was? I think it has something to do with the, the, well, you know, the self-hatred doctrine. Well, you know, when I was being raised, I mean, what, what, what people say is like, the, you know, the thing that Christianity has over all the other religions is grace. You know, yeah, I remember right, quote, right. That's I remember what they always said. Right. You two songs like the idea of God's unmerited favor, and this uh -huh, is so beautiful, yeah. and you right. know, you know, it's everything else is karma, but this is just God showering you with His love. And I was like, yeah, but like the the fundamental doctrine that that that, that grace falls into is is this idea that the reason you need God's merited unmerited favor is because you're deserving of damnation. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, it's and, totally crazy. And, and Christianity, you know, has two kind of important jobs if it wants to sell itself as indispensable. And one is to convince you that you desperately need that grace. And then the second is to provide it. And unfortunately, Christianity tends to do a really good job of the first part, like of making people feel like worthless pieces of garbage. Right. Um, this is what's wrong with you. That's what's wrong with you. Your sexuality is wrong with you. This right, is, right. you know, your lust is wrong with you. Like, you know, your desires, your, you know, your selfishness, whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, so to me, um, any religion that teaches that coming out of the gate, every human being is unworthy. Um, I just like that's just a mean spirited doctrine. Um, yeah, and, it's, yeah, go ahead. And counterintuitive to me. You know, I mean, yep. I'm a grandparent, you know, like you, you can try to convince me that my granddaughter was born deserving of eternal suffering, but like it's bullshit. Well, I mean, this is crazy. You, you, you hit right on it. Your, your mom said in the intro to your book, hey, when Bart was a little kid, he was like this caring, loving boy. And <laughs> he, he acted like a Christian. And I'm thinking, yeah, of course he did. He was, <laughs> he was raised in a loving home and he's a human being made in the image of God in my mind. You know, so yeah, it's like, and, that's and the way you, I interpret it. So yeah, of course. But, if, but, you know what, nature, what, if you study nature, Michael, yeah. um, you know, w what is it that keeps any, you know, what is it that keeps people or keeps any animal alive? And it's a combination of things. And like part of what keeps social animals like human beings alive is cooperation and, and, and at the highest level love. But part of what keeps us alive too is competition. 
and, and there's conflict. And so what's interesting is, is that whether it's in our family or in our tribe or in our nation or in our world, like there's always both those things going on. And so the notion, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you're a humanist. You believe people are essentially good. Like, yeah, right, right. Yeah. I think people are essentially complicated. I think, I think, <laughs> you know, I think people have, you know, I, like I think that the, uh. the notion that that people are either ultimately perfect, you know, or, or are are approaching perfection. Like, there's no evidence to suggest that, and there's also no no evidence to suggest that people are devoid of intrinsic goodness or value. Like we've got both those things going on. And so, you know, ultimately, yeah, grace is an awful doctrine that makes a lot of people feel really terrible about themselves. And to the degree that they do anything good, they go like all the good in my life, I can ascribe to, to God, all the bad in my life. That's just me. right. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that, that's just so destructive. But yeah. Um, uh, one of the things I discovered was that, uh, uh, some of the Eastern streams of Christian thought did not believe in the, in the depravity of man. And they did not believe the way I think this came from, Oh, maybe Augustine. I can't remember, you know, the roots of this doctrine, you know, that, you know, they used to really drive that home. Man is not essentially good. If you believe that, then you're a like new age, you know, heretic and so forth. And, and, and I think, uh, and Christianity needs to teach that because like, that's what keeps it like, we have this product right. that yes. you can't live without. Yeah, well, they have to give the bad news before you hear the good news. And the bad news is you're a piece of shit and you're going to hell unless you, <laughs> you know, jump through our hoops, you know, <laughs> and then you get grace. And it's like, it does, it, but it does, of course, like you say, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't make any sense. And so anyways, um, I think uh, I forgot in reading some people like M. Scott Peck and so forth, uh, uh, there's this like this, um, uh, theory of, of, of spiritual maturity, if you will. It's like people, you know, uh, we're born, um, uh, in my mind, we're born basically good in the sense that, you know, we're not, you know, wanting to become serial killers or something, you know, we're, we're not, we want to, we want to live in, in, in a loving world and we are receptive to love. And if we're taught in the right environment, we, we can be loving people right from the start. Uh, like a child can, uh, but you know, there's an immaturity there that we need to mature. We need to, you know, grow up and learn the lessons of life and grow. To me, uh, you know, it the, there is no original sin the way that uh, most churches explain it, or or evangelical evangelical theology explains it. There's there's just a um, you know an immaturity that we we need to right. grow so, in, so our, in our. And once once you accept that, then this notion of um, that, you know, I mean, the other absurdity is that the ultimate expression of grace is God's willingness to kill his own son uh, (laughs) to save innocent people. And so like the whole idea of penal substitutionary. Oh, I know that just drives me absolutely crazy. Necessity of anyone needing to die. Like, and and of course, if Jesus doesn't need to die, then you go like, well, then why does he need to be resurrected? Like, why does he need to be God? Like that, you know, so like the whole, like the whole, none of it makes any sense. Right. And, I, um, I, I understand what you're, I, no, I, well, for years, I, I believe that. that that took me the longest time, uh, you know, Bart, I was just totally, I, I was sold on that, but I knew there was something wrong with it. Cause I always, I always thought how, how, why can't God just forgive? <laughs> well, what's with that? But then, but no one was saying that and no one, it's, you're just kind of ingrained in it. And no one was standing up and saying, actually, that's a just. Dis- just you know destructive way of thinking well, no one in and, your world no one in, no one in world. my world until you start reading other people yeah. and then but then those are the heretics the outsiders see right. and that's the so other you can't part. trust them see yeah. they're and, and they're that's not the other part of it and that's, that's part, of it. part like, of it it's like and they're not christian they're not regenerated by the holy spirit so you can't trust them so that's so the this, second imperative the first it's very imperative, diabolic, yeah, diabolical the, the first imperative is to convince you that we've got something right. to offer that you need yeah. Yeah. And the second thing is to, to convince you that everybody else is dangerous yeah. and don't listen. You know, and you go like, well, that's what cult leaders do. And you go like, yes. yeah, you know, the difference, the difference between evangelical Christianity and a serious cult, like they would make a Netflix documentary about 
is just the size of it. Like yeah. if, if somebody, if somebody showed up for, from scratch saying like, here's the deal, let me tell you how it works. You know, only if you believe what I tell you, can you go to heaven and live forever? Like, and you know, cause you're in to totally depraved and I'm going to control everything. You know, we would go like, Oh, that's a cult. Yeah. And you go like, you know, that that's so, so yeah. So for me, no, you're definitely right about then, that. Then I mean, the question becomes, then the question becomes, how do we treat our friends and family members who are part of a benign cult? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who believe yeah. things that for which there's very little evidence. You're like, how shall we treat them? And, and, you know, some of the people I met when I first left the Christian faith were like, well, we should go back and make fun of them, or we should go back and show them how idiotic their ideas are. And th the thing that those people sort of fail to understand is like, even on a purely, if, like in, in terms of just pure practicality, that's not the way you change people's minds no, about it's anything. Not. I totally agree. No, that, here, here's the deal. The deal is that people don't change unless something very painful happens in their life or something very emotional happens in their life. Then they might stop and think, Wait a minute. Maybe some people don't. Some people don't. Some people. Some people do change just by thinking stuff through. Yes, um, I agree. People, yeah, most people yeah, change most, for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, um, some people will do that, but those yeah, those people probably have a you know a nagging doubt uh, or something that's or just a, a passion for you know I can't live life unless things make sense you know, but most of most people are are in my experience. Uh, they just, there's just too many things. Their life would, they'd have to go back and say, I was wrong all these years. There's all a bunch of emotional baggage. If you're a professional <laughs> pastor, you got to change careers. There's all kinds of things or a missionary like I was. And, and, and those are, and so I, I changed because something very emotional, like painful happened in my life. Yeah. And I was already kind of doubting and on that path. But when this very painful thing happened in my life, then over the next few years, everything just totally changed. Uh, started to you know do the research and and question things openly, et cetera. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's it, I, I don't think it's the, you know it it sounds crazy when you look at it and you evaluate it and you look back on it. But the way to change people is not to come out and say, hey, you know this is absolutely, you know you're crazy for believing this. But there, but it's a hard it's a hard. Uh, uh, road i mean uh how do you influence people and i think um well i think a better question is michael why are you trying to influence people like well yeah well for me uh the evangelical church is harmful and and people uh uh i want to influence people if they're being harmed see and that's a very that's a very that's a very broad and sweeping statement like yeah. the evangelical church is harm, harmful to everybody is, is, is nobody getting something? Is nobody is nobody being helped no, by it? Harm, harmful in the sense that you know it, it can cults, be even even it even can it, be harmful. It harms some people under certain circumstances. Like right. there are elements of it that are toxic. But like you know, that's the thing is that you know you say, well, Bart, do you ever try to convince somebody that Christianity is a crock a crock? And the answer is sure. I try to convince somebody who I see being crushed by it, or who yes. I see being made. Right. Or so I, or who I say, see treating other people in harmful ways because of it. So like yes. I'm, not, I, I'm perfectly willing to critique or, or, or to point out the flaws or inconsistencies. But you know, you, you see somebody who's sailing along and they're having a great life, and they're all their friends and family are in that world. And if they see through it, if if you poke a hole in it. You, you sort of go like, well, then they'll just wake up and they'll just join a secular humanist church and they'll have a whole new set of family and friends and it'll be just as great. And the answer is, no, it won't. No, you're, you're, you're right. There, there are people who will never change and they're so ingrained. Uh, but, but And there's um, people for whom think, it wouldn't be good for them to change. Yeah, it, would, yeah, it wouldn't be. Um, I think the, um, the issue is looking at our society and if... Uh, there's something wrong with our religious culture that, I mean, I've seen people be spiritually abused. I've seen people yeah. uh, uh, overlook sexual it's abuse because of this. And so if you focus on those and those people who are harmed, they realize they're being harmed. 
and sometimes they want to get out and they do. And so that that's that's kind of like uh, I want to yeah. help those people. The and, other people who are kind of lost causes or whatever, you know, they still they still can be good people. You know, my 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 parents, evangelical Christians, are still good people, but sure they are. they've got all these. You know, sometimes they do harmful things to other people and they hurt other people because of their theology, but they don't they don't get it. But yeah. you know, it's actually. And in the simplest analysis, my, my observation is, is that most people don't stay in the Christian movement because it is so sensible and the narrative makes so much sense or because it makes, you know, they, they, they make sense because they don't have anywhere else to go. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and, and particularly people that want to be a part of a movement that's about cultivating loving kindness and raising kids to care about each other they, they just don't see another community that offers them the kind of opportunities that, that the christian or in, the, in our country that the christian church does and so i think like if you really want to be helpful um create better alternatives you know uh, if, if you really want to be helpful you know pioneer communities in which people are pursuing loving kindness um without all that crazy dogma yeah, um, mm-hmm. because right. there's 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 like there's a lot there's other narratives that also point to loving kindness as the best way of life. Like science um, is one of them, and so you don't need flying Jesus um, in order to in order to teach your kids that it makes sense to share with one another or to forgive or that relationships work better when there's, you know, a, 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 a humility. I, like, like, the, <laughs> like, these things don't work. Like, like, Christianity didn't invent these things. It adopted them because, like, that's how human beings actually work. Like, right. the religion codified a set of ethics that just makes sense. Right. Um, so, so anyway, like, my thought is, is that you can, you can spend an enormous amount of time and energy trying to point out to somebody why their system is not good enough or you can just go and try to try to live out a lifestyle that's attractive no and i agree with you and that attractive lifestyle and love actually helps people i I tell the story of um, a guy named daryl davis i don't know if you heard of him he uh he's gone out and befriended ku klux klansmen and uh, he basically comes at them with this question, why do you hate me when you don't even love me? Of course, he's a black man, I'm African-American. And he's actually, uh, because he's he's befriended certain uh, Klansmen, he's actually converted them to leave the Klan <laughs> because they, they realize, oh my gosh, you know, uh, this guy's a, a loving person and he's, you know, n- not, sure. not what I thought you know, he sh- should be. And he's got like 24 robes of Klansmen in his closet for people. He's, he's, he's changed. Through, trophies, yeah. He's not using religion. He's not trying to, you know, convert them to something. He's just befriending them and challenging them at the same time. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's amazing. And so let me give you an example. Um, uh, my uh, parents, um, very, very conservative Calvinist uh, evangelical Christians. A, f- a number of years ago, before my dad passed away, my mom's still alive. Um, uh, they got literally, my dad got spiritually abused at his very conservative church. He was in the church for like 16 years. And they found out that their son, me, wrote this book that critiqued evangelical Christianity. <laughs> so they they took the tack, oh, gosh, Bill's son is a heretic, an apostate, the pastor called me. There must be something wrong with Bill. So they started spiritually abusing him and, and trying to say, you know, are you, are you confessing sin enough? Are you doing this enough? And, you know, and, and uh, my parents told me about it and showed me all these letters. And I go, Dad, Mom, you guys are being abused by this pastor in this church. This is what I've been talking about, spiritual abuse. And they were for a for a a year or so their their eyes were open to this but it it didn't impact them to the point that um they you know decided to leave evangelicalism or something but they but they started to understand that this faith can be abused and it can be harmful and that's sometimes when people start to think oh you know maybe i should rethink this there's something in here that's the system is not working 
So um, that's that's somehow when when people recognize when they get abused themselves by the church, that's when you can reach them. Yeah, that's yeah. So um, truth in what you say. Yeah. So I was wondering what what was it like for you? Is, is did your wife go through the same evolution that you went to? Where is she at? Yeah, I mean, we sort of, you know, we've had a long conversation going our whole, our whole lives together. And, you know, so sometimes she was ahead of me, sometimes she was behind me. But in the end, you know, we sort of tracked our way out together. Right, right. So is she an atheist too? She's on the same page with you on she that? Would not, n- neither of us use that word um, just because it doesn't tell you anything about us, you know. Um, you know, atheist, I love- just without humanist. God. Yeah. You, you, we would just call ourselves humanists because we're really committed to, um, to, hu- you know, kind of values of love and kindness and, and, and care. And, and I love that term humanist. And I think, um, it took, you know, it took me, a while for it to grow on me. It took a while for it to grow on me. I was, you know, partly because I grew up in the church and yeah. secular, secular humanism. Secular was, humanism. Was, that's a dirty word, man. A great evil. <laughs> but in the end, in the end, Winston oh. Churchill once said about democracy, it's the worst form of government except for all the others. And yeah, right. me, humanism was the worst thing to call myself except for all the others. Um, right. Atheist tends to, in our world, be understood as um, anti-Christian. And I didn't want to be understood that way. Yeah. Um, Agnosticism makes it sound like I don't know what I think when, you know, I mean, technically I can't prove anything. Um, I can't prove that we're not all living in a video game simulation. Um, But, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly settled in my convictions. You know, I like, I am effectively an atheist. Uh, I don't, I don't, I can't prove that there isn't a God, but I don't live a single moment of my life as if there is one, because I don't have any evidence of that. You know, free thinker seems crazy if you know anything about how human beings make their decisions. Um, the idea that it's a free and unfettered decision—that's right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? you're influenced too much by your environment. And yeah, too many culture, cognitive. I got all these cognitive yeah. biases going on. So right. yeah, so yeah. like you know, and so you know, so humanist is a way of saying I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any kind of supernatural. I think this is all. This life is all we get, and I want to make the most of it by loving other people. Yeah, and I think that is that's that's a a wonderful philosophy of life. I mean, to me, you know, if I if I if, if I took what I believe and what you believe, and I just say, okay, let's just just put, um, you know, what matters most, and I you answer that question, and I answer that question, I think we're almost on the same page. You know, what matters most? Um, you know, it's like. Uh, uh, that's why I, I, I hate this war that we used to have with uh, atheists and, and non-believers and other religions. I just, I, I just can't, I, you know, to me, Hell, it really God, God, God loves everyone equally. And so he doesn't care about what you believe. He cares about how you treat other people. And, and I mean, what you believe is interesting, especially if it's hard, if it, what you believe affects how you treat other people, that's important. But and, the and, bottom and, line and, is how you treat other people. You see, see, when you say it like that, though, it's like you're hanging out red meat. Because I'm just going to myself, like, how do you know what God thinks? Oh, I yeah. I mean, that that's well, that's a that's a that's a good question. How do I know? I don't know. I mean, I can't prove anything. Uh, I I don't, I don't think anyone can prove there is a God, but I don't think anyone can prove there isn't a God. So no, no. Left, so we're so left it might, with this it, mystery. So this sometimes mystery I think. Life. Yeah. Sometimes I think it would be better if people just said like like. I like to believe that God loves everybody. Like, I think that's, you know, and that's a good good way to put it. Fair enough. I've I've chosen to believe that God loves everybody. It works works for me to believe that. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and what, where I see that is in um, uh, Jesus teachings um, that he actually came. uh, uh, When you look at the Bible as not an errant and you look at the Bible as not a, you know, you have to believe everything hook, line, and sinker, and you start to to look at it like, okay, this is a uh, uh, the Jewish record of 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 spiritual development, if you will, and there's some good, and there's some bad, and there's some some ugly. So let's just kind of look at this and see if we can figure out what rises to the top. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of Rene Girard. He kind of uh, looks at the Bible that way, and 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 is a um, right, uh, right. Uh, a history of, of, of moral development. And he, and he sees some things in there that 
rise to the top. And that's kind of like the way I look at the Bible. And those, th those things that rise to the top are the things that I think I could be wrong. I think are God kind of peeking and, and, and putting his fingerprints on, on life and, and uh, influencing us in some way. So that's the way I look at it. Um, I'm, I'm also interested in, um, uh, let's see, you said somewhere, maybe it was in the film, where, like you answered the question, what gives life meaning to you as a humanist? Now that you're a humanist, okay, we, you can define what that is. You know, why you seem to have a passion, you say you have a passion for life now, uh, you, um, you, you have a philosophy that gives you meaning. You know, what is that and why, why do you have that? I, I don't know, it's as it's fancy as all that, a philosophy that gives you meaning. I mean, I think, I think you know, when you become um, self-aware as a human being, you know, at some point you become aware of your own mortality. You become aware that you're going to die. Mm -hmm. You become, and, and so if, if you, you know, if, if you're not persuaded that you're going to like magically live on in some eternal utopia, like you go like, oh, this is it. This is my one, you know, this is my one true chance. Like, you know, I, 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 you know, I didn't exist for 13 billion years and I probably won't exist for 13 billion years, but like, I've got this little brief moment of consciousness. And, uh, and, and when you look at it that way, it strikes you as a hugely improbable, unbelievably precious opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and so then for me, the natural question when given a hugely improbable, you know, precious opportunity is, you know, how do I make the most of it? And uh, as I look around and as I study the data, you know, like whether you, you want to do it scientifically or just on the basis of your gut, you sort of go like the people that seem to feel the best about their lives, that live the longest and most satisfying lives, that die with the greatest sense of kind of satisfaction and well-being are people that have committed themselves to cultivating loving relationships and and mm -hmm. pe people that have done work in their lives that they think make things better for other people and people that have cultivated, you know, practices of gratitude, um, practices of awareness of the wonder of life that, you know, that these are things that, you know, th this way of life seems to yield the best results. And so ultimately, you know, it, it's, it's a purely, I guess, self-interested decision where you go like, I love this life. Like, I'm so grateful for it. And I want to enjoy it to the maximum. And if, if I, you know, if I thought that the path to that was by lying and thieving and murdering and raping, maybe I would do those things, I guess. I don't know. But like, I have no desire to do those things. There's no evidence that those things lead to anything but misery for yourself and for other people. But this, this loving kindness as a way of life, this is a winner. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so I don't think it, I don't think it's really that complicated for me, you know, like every, you know, every living thing that's ever existed had one thing in common, which was this kind of gut level desire to, to live, to, 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 to survive and to propagate, to move life forward. Like life is my ultimate value. Like, and I think that ultimately what you realize is, is that these, that we, we've been sort of conditioned by evolution to love the things which lead to life. That's why we love food. We love breathing. We love sex. We love the things that lead to life going forward. Um, and so I'm committed to those things and I want to maximize my appreciation and understanding of them. And uh, it's not really that complicated. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, I, I love the way, um, you, you've, ar you've arrived at that place and you've thought it through and you realize that, yeah, if I love people and treat people uh, well and I try to make the world a better place, um, other people are going to appreciate it and I'm going to be rewarded. It's, it's a, it's a, well, I'm, uh, I'm just going to, like, like, it's literally, nice, your it's, brain... not, it's not going to complicate your life as, no. like you would if you were <laughs> trying to rip everyone off. And <laughs> your brain is, your brain is hardwired with, with, you know, neuroscientists would tell you this, your brain is hardwired in such a way that when somebody in your tribe 
um, thrives in front of you. When, when you, when you see somebody, um, happy, it makes you happy. Mirror neurons shooting your friend. And when somebody's suffering, when somebody gets stabbed in the stomach, you go, Oh, Oh, and it hurts you too. Um, That we're wired up, um, in such a way that we, we love to, to, to be a blessing to other people. And, uh, and so it's not surprising that people that sort of build their life around intentionally trying to be a blessing to other people often end up saying, gosh, I'm really satisfied with my life. I love, I, I look forward to every day. And that people that pursue selfishness, even if they succeed and amass huge fortunes, um, and I've known people who have amassed huge fortunes and are miserable. Um, and, 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 and so I think like ultimately you have to figure out how you're going to keep score in this life. And, um, and there are a lot of, a lot of different ways to do it. And I, I, you know, this is just, you know, and I don't try to tell everybody, Oh, everybody must be like me. I, you know, everybody, like, I'm just saying like, there's a way of life that my friends and I are sort of following out. It seems to be working for us. And if your way of life is working for you wonderfully, you should stick with it. And if your way of life is, is struggling and, and you're, you're miserable and you're unhappy, here's a way you might want to, tr- this is something you might want to consider. Right. Yeah. So, so, so in many ways, what you described is, is kind of like the, what I call the love ethic of, of Christ, but not just Christ, the love ethic of in the universe that pops up every once in a while in history and, uh, or over and over again, prophets or, yeah. or yeah, it's, it shows up in Genesis every once in a while, but not as much. <laughs> it shows up more in the, in the New Testament, but there's a lot of other weird things in the New Testament. So, but this is, this is kind of like hitting on, you know, uh, there's a way of life that makes sense and is actually good for you and good for the world. And that's a loving way of life, uh, res- e- loving people equally. Uh, not amassing huge volumes of of of, of oh, power I don't love and wealth. No, I don't. I don't love people equally. I don't love people equally. No, like I love my family and friends a lot more than I love you, Michael. And like, oh, if, if I, I know. But what I what I what I mean by that word equal doesn't mean oh, I'm going to you know put my time and effort equally into every human being in the world. That that every human being is worth. Uh, is worthy of love uh, equally. It's not that I can do that or, you know, I can go out and do that. But when I encounter someone, I want to treat them as if they're just as uh, good or, uh, as anyone else in the world. So, but um, uh, because if you don't, then you have an injustices in the world. You've got racism and you have so forth. But I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So, it, it, so for me, like the whole thing, it's, it's not really that simple i mean it's not really that complicated it's fairly simple um the one and and this is what i'll leave you with is the one thing i have noticed is that having really great values um doesn't mean you can live up to them um Mm -hmm. i value exercise it doesn't mean i work out i value eating healthy it doesn't mean i do so um but what i have noticed is is that the people that tend to live out their values most successfully are those that band together to encourage each other, to remind each other of their values, um, to celebrate their values, to kind of, to kind of that, that in a sense, whether it's Weight Watchers or Alcoholics Anonymous or you know, your local church or the, the CrossFit team, that, when, that, that, that human beings are really susceptible to tribal support. And so what mm-hmm. I would say is, is, it, is if you share these values, um, and you say, well, I, but I had bad experiences in church, so I'm never going to be a part of a small group of people that um, get together on a regular basis to support each other in this way. I go, well, you're probably not going to do that well. Um, you're probably not going to do as well as you would have done if you could find some people to sure. pursue yeah. loving kindness together. Right. Um, yeah. Because that's yeah, just the nature of us as a species. It's a, it's a nature of us. And that's why I, um, probably why I'm in the Rotary uh, because that's right. it's, it's, it's no, there's no religion, although some rotary clubs, yeah, you gotta find little, a tribe. very little bit of ro- uh, religion, but most, most rotary clubs are not religious. At that's all. right. You gotta find, and, a, gotta find a new but, tribe, don't you? And yeah, you find a new tribe and where you can, you know, reflect and yeah. have that community and, 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 uh, do, do the service, the part of it that you really liked in the church. And I, I, 
I just looked up that place. What was it? The Kansas City Oasis or something? There's something. Uh, there's the lovely people out there in Kansas. City. Yeah, the secular, like it's a secular church. It looks like it's it's nothing to do with religion, but it has everything to do with community and 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 serving, loving yeah. the, each other and and doing things good in the community. Um, so uh, I, I had a couple more questions. We're running out of time, but I guess one of the, my questions is that you know there. Um, you know, you said you've, you've done a lot of research and everything. Did you ever find like in uh, studying, let's say Eastern Christianity or uh, other paradigms where, you know, people were, were actually saying, yeah, I follow Jesus, but um, we, I don't believe the whole Bible is true. And um, I don't believe in penal substitutionary atonement. And, you know, that's not the way that that's not no, the, no, the real definition I mean, of the cross. I mean, no. when you counted those kinds of things, what was, what was your, you know, you know, I guess the question is why, why, why wouldn't you explore that direction? And why did you s still come to the point where saying, yeah, I don't think there's anything to this at all. I, I mean, like there's no, I mean, like spinoffs of Christianity, like Eastern Orthodox and like all those smells and bells and all that stuff, like it, like from the outside, <laughs> smells and bells from the outside, all those things look patently invented. They look like what they like when you see Islam, you go like, Oh, it has human fingerprints on it. It's only the one that you're in that that like that you grow up in that you don't right, see right. that about. So right. once you step away from yours, like, like you're going like, <laughs> like I just figured out that I was, drinking snake oil i'm certainly not going to go in search of another bottle um with a, of a different brand and so like no none of those things made any had any interest you know they would none of them those things would hold any interest for me um you know if i was going to go for a brand of magic i would i would stick with i would stick with my uh you know my 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 native brand right yep well yeah i'm i'm interested how you know uh people arrive to their you know on their on their journeys and what paths they take and I'm, I'm really i'm fascinated with how uh someone like you and i um can land in different places but we still have a lot of common ground and um i think i guess my final question is um i i just see a lot of things that you know uh i wish that like when i saw you sitting next to Brian McLaren at the Wild Goose Festival a couple of years ago. And I thought, you know, you know, we should be working together. We shouldn't be um, antagonistic towards each other. I, 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 I would love, I, I don't think um, you're not the brand that is kind of a, I, I can find some atheists to be very fundamentalist uh, in, in, in their own way. And you're not like that at all. And most of the people, people I've met who've called themselves humanists or atheists aren't like that, but there are some. But so my question is, why can't some of us work together and have some, you know, understand our common ground of really um, rejecting harmful religion and, and standing in the, in, in all of life and, and striving to, to, you know, find, um, uh, or at least, embracing a lifestyle where you where loving other people really brings meaning and and helps the world become a better place and um and help people to be free and honest about faith so that we're not you know confined to these oh i can't you know a fear of of, of saying uh, sharing your doubts and so forth i would love to see um theists and who are open-minded enough and and uh non-believers you know, come to the same page on that and work together in some way, um, you know, to, to yeah. I think that makes society better. Well, I appreciate, yeah, and I appreciate all your efforts in that direction. Seems like that's what you're working on. Yeah. So um, I, uh, you think that's possible? I mean, you think that uh, we, that, uh, that, you know, you, there could be a bridge or, or, or all, I mean, there's already a bridge. I mean, you, you go, go to, go to your local public school. You'll see Christian parents and secular parents working together to try to help kids. Like, you know, you, I mean, all over the world, you'll see people working to get, you know, sign, you know, people trying to fight this virus, you know, Oh, Christians. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, 
you know, but I, I just, I, I now love in terms of like going to a meeting, like I, I got, you know, like these interfaith meetings, they just wear me the hell out. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want, like, I, I have a very short period of time to be alive and I really don't want to spend any more time trying to pretend that like, you know, the, some of the, like the weird beliefs that people have make sense to me. And like, you know, like I'm fine with them to have them. I'm like, I'm glad to work with those people on a variety of different projects together, but like, I have no interest in, you know, it's just, it's just like, it's just exhausting. Like, uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think. Yeah, that, and the other thing is, I, is that like, you know, if you, if you want to, if you want to be in that, like little, that if you want to be in that sort of very narrow space of like where the Rob Bells and the Brian McLarens and everybody's like, they're kind of like these, you know, kind of, progressive e-type christians like there's a lot of people there right yeah mm -hmm. you go one step farther over and you get to like purely like i don't believe in god at all and you go look for the pastors and go look for the communities and go they're not very many and so like it's not like i'm i don't have very much time left in this world and i don't think that the i don't think the best use of it is to try to hammer out like cool understandings with like people that are still nominally Christian. Like there's this whole bunch of secular people out there just waiting for somebody to evangelize them into life as a way, love as a way of life and to show them a more excellent way. Mm -hmm. And you go like, Ooh, you sound like an evangelist. And I go like, yeah, but it's not about like believing anything. It's about like, look, some of y'all have bought into a really bullshit value system sold to you by like American consumerism. And like, I'd like to, I'd like to encourage you like not to keep, not to keep score of your lives that way, because like, ultimately it doesn't work out very well. Um, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. So yeah. I mean, and, and, that's and, the, and, and, and all that, and all that progressive Christian stuff, that's just baggage, man. When, when I come in going like, well, what Jesus really is about, like you've misunderstood him all this time. You're just like, Oh gosh. Like, you know, like, it's, 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 it's just words that just confuse the issue. So if I'm talking about the universe, I would prefer to just call it the universe and not try to like call it God, uh, no matter how I spell it. And if I'm going to talk about redemption or forgiveness, I would just like, I don't need, like if Jesus has a lot of bad associations out there for people, you know, and not because Christians are mean, just because they go like, oh, so you believe like in, in like, you believe in people rising from no no that's not what i meant by jesus i just meant a principle of loving kindness and you're like then why didn't you just say a principle of loving kindness and i like i know that would be a lot simpler i think i'll do that from now on so like for me like all that christian language it only makes sense to hang on to it for people who grew up in it and who have a, are having a hard time letting it go and i'm happy for them to hold on to it and have a hard time letting it go but like the action and the future is on the other side where you try to create a religion, you try to create a way of a lifestyle and a set of rituals and stuff for people that aren't, that have no connection to that language because ultimately that language will die out as most religions die out after a certain period of time. And we'll be left with, if, if we're left at all, if there is a humanity at all uh, moving forward, we will be left with trying to figure out how do we encourage our children to live lives of meaning and purpose and value without that overlay. And so I'm just like, yeah, I think I'd, I'd just rather get on with the next project. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I understand what you're saying. I, I, I don't like the religious baggage that goes with any of this stuff, but I think what matters most is pretty much what you're explaining. And I think, um, uh, you know, we're kind of on the same page with that. We just, we just have some uh, things on the edges that, that the yeah, way we, you, uh, I mean, you know, and, and that are that's different. The thing. Like, yeah. The thing that's different is you want to stay with it. Like, yeah, you wanna, I, well, I want to, yeah, I, I, you I, stay I don't, with it. No, I don't go to church. I don't want to stay with the religion. I want to stay with the, the, just the notion that, 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 that there is a universal love in the world, a source of all this is a universal love yeah 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 so, that's yeah. that's and where i'm at right you know right and and and, and i the, like and that is the literally the most natural impulse in the world um mm -hmm. is to want to believe that the universe has some kind of higher meaning right right yeah, yeah. And, and you know and so ultimately you know you, you can split the world into into sort of two groups of people and and and, and those are the ones that believe that the world is that the universe is intrinsically meaningful I, it was made with a purpose and those that believe that there is no meaning in the universe or to the universe 
And there is no meaning in the universe except that which we create by caring about each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I tend to believe that meaning is yeah. something that we invent and other people believe that meaning is was baked in from the beginning. Yeah, that's that's the difference. You've just boiled it down. Yeah, you either, yeah, you either create right. it because it's not there or it's baked in because there is something uh, other than ourselves out there. That's right. That's right. So, all right, so we've solved hey, it. We've solved we, we've, already, we've, we've solved it all. all right, great right, talking okay. to you, man. Great talking <laughs> hey, to you. Hey, Bart, this has been a great. Uh, thank you so much for being with us here on the Spiritual Group Hub. And uh, um, I'd, I'd love to connect when I'm in Ohio next time. I might look you up if, if you want to have a beer and have a real, instead of a virtual, drink we'll have a a real drink beer together um so uh i want to wish you the best and uh my thoughts are with you and your family as i hear your your dad's and uh having health problems but uh uh so uh go go with uh with with you can say you can say go with god it's it's good no i didn't no i wasn't gonna say go with grace but then i thought oh no we talked about that (laughs) don't ever say that don't ever say that hey if if any of your folks want to find me i'm very easy to find and sometimes when people are listening to somebody like you, they end up going all the way and going like, I, none of this works for me anymore. And they trying to find connection. And if they are like, tell them I'm easy to find they Google my name. You go, I have a podcast called humanize me. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. Folks, please, the podcast is to... ex- excellent. I listened to one of them the other day there. You're a great interviewer and you have great guests humanize me it's called. And yep. also you can find more about Bart at bartcampolo.org. Beautiful. So we're going to sign off now. Thanks hey, for joining us. Enjoy responsibly. Thanks, Bart. Take care. The Spiritual Brew Pub Podcast will help you navigate spiritually after or during a belief shift, deconstruction, or crisis of faith. Not to try to convert you to a particular destination, but give you the resources you need to evaluate your future belief or unbelief and help you follow the religious historical evidence wherever it leads. I'm your host, Michael Camp, a recovering conservative evangelical, the operative word being recovering, sharing my journey and helping others rebuild faith or a reasoned philosophy of life. So grab your brew of choice and learn how fact-based history helps us both critique and rethink faith. Why do we call it a brew pub? Because we like to hang out in them, at least metaphorically. A pub is a great place to let your hair down, share your true thoughts about your journey, and discuss things with an open mind in a non-judgmental environment.